Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Rob, mine are he and him. And I'm Alistair, and my pronouns are also he and him. We're back, it's another week of normal podcast. Um, Rob, uh, we have some news nuggets before we get into the main topic. Uh, what, what do we have? What are we starting with? Well, basically, that strikes are still cool and still good. Excellent. Updates from the world of, you know, lab- labor withholding its labor, which which we love to see. Just to follow up on our pr- the Praxis chat we did with Hannah Webb a couple of weeks ago, go listen to that if you haven't yet. Um, the Criminal Bar Association has now voted to go on indefinite strike from September 5. Uh, that means that essentially all Crown Court business, uh, which is like serious level crimes, will adjourn and some trials could collapse because there will be no more barristers to represent uh, people in court. Uh, essentially, what we're talking about is weirdly enough, fucking- though, weirdly enough, though, the uh, top of their list of demands was to bring to get Vince Gilligan to make another season of Better Call Saul. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how the government gets on with that. <laughs> And I, I did think that was an unusual demand, but, you know, hey, up the workers. If, if that's what they want, that's what they should get. <laughs> nothing nothing is too good for the working classes. No, exactly. <laughs> um, essentially, what, we're, what they're fighting over is in terms of government spending, it's fucking pennies, uh, according to the Criminal Bar Association, uh, paying especially young starting barristers properly uh, for the case backlog that's there because of corona and essentially because of government fuckery with the courts would cost an extra 1.1 million quid a month that's all that's all that would be required from the government to fix it but of course this government can never be seen to be on the side of working people so they're not and now you know rob is doing his thing in the sun about that you know because barristers are on strike the criminals will go free and are coming soon to a house near you yeah i was gonna say rob also they can't be they can't be seen to be giving money to the the very lefty lawyers that are keeping all of those vicious criminals out of uh, the criminal justice system unbelievable no so essentially like uh, the criminal bar is going to go on indefinite strike and the uk justice system the criminal justice system is going to come to a grinding halt come probably the second weekend of september which you know we'll see we'll <laughs> we'll fucking see what happens <laughs> We've we've tried being gay. Now we're going to try doing crimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the next union to announce that they might or will be going on strike is the PCS union, which is mainly this is is the civil service. Uh, they're fighting the latest Tory plan, which was inspired, of course, by Jacob Rees-Mogg to cut twenty percent of all staff, i.e., ninety-one thousand uh, government jobs could be lost. Um, if this plan were to, to go ahead. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, I didn't know this, by the way, he's now been uh, promoted or whatever to being Minister for Government Efficiency, which is quite a fucking... Oh, he's had that title for ages. There was that thing where he was going around civil service offices leaving like little fucking notes saying, oh, sorry, I missed you at your desk, etc. to like random cunts he probably would never have wanted to speak to. And it's like, yeah, okay. Jesus fucking cool. Christ. Like, I'd rather, I'd, I'd much rather receive that fucking note than have to see the ghoulish. Cunt. I think that reflects very badly on, uh, on like our fucking civil servants because, like, you know what I mean. Anyone who was at his desk as he passed should have just congratulated him on his job performance. <laughs> <laughs> The union has rejected uh, a two a whole two percent pay rise offer. 
you know, given that inflation might hit like, what, 18% by now, I'm not surprised they're not happy with 2% because that's like a, that's like a 50% cut in real wages at this point. Um, and as it, uh, I mean, PCS is not the only one that represents civil service workers, but essentially other unions could follow suit in the same weeks, leading like to massive civil service strikes and essentially no government business at all being performed in, in the uh, run up to Christmas. And nothing of value was lost. Was lost, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you say this, but you know, there there is still essential government work that does need to be done. Uh, whatever marginal stuff I mean, is still left to you know protect us is still. I, I see what you're saying, Rob. But on the whole, if government just stopped on balance, probably for the best. Yeah, I'm not sure. It is a trade-off. It's like, you know, on one hand, you're like, yes, there are some necessary tasks that, you know, the government has to do because of the way we've structured society, right? On the other hand, there's all the malign shit they're actually doing, and you really have to ask whether the latter outweighs the former at this point. Well, I mean, also, they're not doing the fucking former, are they, though? Well, no, they're not. Well, I mean, if, if you consider it, like, what 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 would the strike achieve? And, like, what, what kind of labour are you going to withhold? Like, if it's, like, tax stuff, then that's money the government is no longer collecting. And remember that no one in this government knows how money works, so if they think the tax stops, they will actually think the money has stopped. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> maybe maybe the threat of, like, the, the money stopping is why they're putting, like, fucking putting it about in the papers, like, last night, that it might be time for them to, like, have a period in opposition until they can fucking, like, sort out what they're doing with their lives. Yeah, I mean, well, that that does look like it's fucking fucking coming one way or another. Well, I mean, you say that, but that would imply that Keir Starmer's actually able to get elected, and I fully believe that he would not be able to get elected even if a government like that's genuinely throwing the election, like they just Lib, wouldn't. Lib Dem super majority. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am getting increasingly impressed with the none of the above platform. I think that's that's got some real legs, uh, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, one senior government source told The Telegraph the assumption was that the entire civil service could walk out at one point or another in a bid to pressure ministers to increase their pay. I'm like, well... Yes, I believe they're called a strike. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's one thing that I've learned in the course of doing this podcast, that when you stop working en masse, it's called a strike. Yeah, the civil service should do two strikes. They should withhold the labour, and they should also piss Jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> Be really easy, though, because he, he, like, have you seen the state of him? He looks like he'd snap. If you gripped him firmly and romantically. <laughs> <laughs> and he's easy to pick out because he's just wearing, the guy wearing the biggest suit you've ever seen. No, just just look for the adult man with the nanny walking next to him, and then you know, like it's, it's there's not that many of them uh, running. Yeah, around. just look look for the adult guy who looks like he's breastfed, and you've got him. It's not that hard. <laughs> the rejected little bitten sketch. Uh, in 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 further uh, industrial news, which is cool and good, workers at the Felixstowe port are currently on strike after refusing correctly a shitty 7% pay rise offer. Uh, they're going to be on strike. They're on strike now, and they will be until uh, August 29, which is cool and good. And of course, solidarity from all of us here at the podcast. And Felix Stowe is, is especially cool and good because it handles just like a hair under 50% uh, of all the UK's container trade. So like that's that's a fairly significant chunk of stuff that's not getting into the country. Uh, so, so far as I understand it, like Felix Tau is not a a just in time port, so like it doesn't really affect 
the the treats on the supermarket shelves right now but in like two weeks or something like electronics uh, uh uh white goods durables all that kind of stuff could run into trouble if the if the port strike continues also just in case you're you're, you're very worried about such things uh according to I'm really not i can't stress enough how not i am i'm infinitely less worried about it now than it was about 60 seconds ago. Unite has said that the company that runs Felix Doe, the ultimate owner essentially, has made more than 240 million quid in profit from Felix Doe in the last two years. So it's not like they're going to go bust if they actually pay their workers what they're supposed to be paid. I mean, this is the fucking recurring theme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> None of these cunts are going to go bust if they pay people what they're fucking owed. Do you know what I mean? But that doesn't stop them fucking crying about it. I mean, just look at the fucking post office as, like, a sterling example of it. They can more than afford to actually pay their workers what they're worth, mm -hmm. but they will cry and they will bleat and they will make really shit-tier quality posts on Twitter about it, do anything <clears throat> other than actually get around the table and negotiate with their fucking union. It is cool to see the, like, the British equivalent to the American, no one wants to work anymore, is just infinitely whinier and more pathetic. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I mean, I think it was in the papers. I think it was yesterday that, like, the that CEO pay last year went up by like thirty nine percent or something insane shit like that. Like, that's fine. We're, we're not supposed to be talking about that, you know. Like that that some fucking that the cunt who run who ran Bob Energy into the ground is still fine. Like, that's not a problem, you know. He's, just, he's still being paid. Maybe, maybe most seriously of all, uh, there's trouble afoot with the bins uh, up in Scotland. I think, David, the bins. Oh. Fucking hell. The, the, the lifeblood of this country runs through its bins. <laughs> I can hear like a million fucking like angry fucking boomers on Twitter like firing off tweets about it now. Well, you say that, but it's Edinburgh. Um, Edinburgh's fucking megging in the middle of the fringe and no one has noticed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that with like the fucking... Um, oh, what are them mad cunts that Tom Cruise like fucking believes in? Scientology. Scientologists. I saw them out like fucking picking it up. You know what I mean? Uh, of course they're going to go out and fucking scab. Brilliant eye quality. There's been loads of shit like that, like leaflets and stuff from um, performers. Like, oh, we love Edinburgh, so please help keep it tidy. And it's, fuck off. Stop yeah, I'd love to hand scabbing. out leaflets to invite people to scab, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like, if you, if you cannot stress it enough, said a tweet, uh, if you do not like the, you know, strike, then just fucking leave. Leave. Yeah. Nothing will be lost if Hit you break the one benefit. <laughs> yeah, the one benefit, though, of them leafleting to do this during the fringe is that you can guarantee that those leaflets will be fucking all over the shop. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're actually helping in a weird way, like totally unintentional. But yeah, uh, they they are striking because their pay is shite. The conditions have been awful are worse, and yeah, all fucking power to them. Yeah, my mate's a former councillor, and she's well chuffed to be out of it with all this going on. Frankly. Was um yeah, was this the thing Matt Ford was getting fucking rinsed about on Twitter? Yeah, no, that was a baby. No, no, <laughs> fucking when he was saying he was giving it about how he'd worked in like because someone was saying the dispute was with a Labour council and he was like, well, I've worked in like local government, so I know how it works. <laughs> I don't know actually. I haven't seen any of that. Someone replied like, uh, "Working in working in a job doesn't automatically mean you understand it." Take for example, you and comedy. <laughs> <laughs> no notes. Oh, yeah. so good. I didn't actually know what that was in response to because I like every other fucking person on the planet has been blocked by Matt Ford. So 
Yeah, also some news which is definitely less than fucking good. Um, remember when P&O ferries sacked like 800 of their longtime uh, workers without cause or consultation with the unions, then brought in scabs, and now their ferries keep yep. killing, failing their safety checks? Uh, yeah, so it was announced quite quietly, of course, I think yesterday, that uh, there's going to be no criminal prosecution because there is, according to the CPS, no realistic prospect of conviction. And this is despite their CEO literally on camera in Parliament saying that, yeah, we knew we were supposed to uh, consult the unions, but we simply didn't didn't want to. And also we'd do it again tomorrow if you gave us the chance. Yeah, but that's that was said in Parliament, so it's like inadmissible or some shit. I don't know. No, he doesn't. They don't get parliamentary privilege from imbuing for a committee. Uh, yeah, it's not because they're in parliament that they're immune. It's because they're fucking rich and powerful. <laughs> like that's the end of the story, surely. The way parliamentary privilege works is an MP who stands up in the House of Commons and says something cannot be done for it. But that's it. It doesn't work if you're called to testify before a subcommittee in parliament that you absolutely do not get the benefits of it. So this yeah, is yeah, it is only works in the magic room. Finish. Yeah. Well, this this is the penultimate time I say something glib on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, Jamie, finally you have a reason to stand for Parliament, just so you can stand in that chamber all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just stands yeah. up in Parliament and says, I believe we should... Agree to bipartisan solutions. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, manifestos don't usually read like this, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, you, if an MP tweets from Parliament, a Twitter not allowed to ban them. Because that could come in very handy. <laughs> <laughs> you you would have a blue tick though. Jamie, get rid of blue tick. Any percent speed run. <laughs> House of Parliament difficulty. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of the House of Parliament, uh, they they are busy, you know, solving the real crisis in our society. Uh, apparently, by twenty twenty five, we're going to see self driving cars on the roads of Britain. This was proudly oh, announced the Times to this week. Fuck. According to who? <laughs> Times. Uh, who, uh, who are the yeah? But who they they've surely the Times haven't just concocted this whole clock. No, that's the Department of Transport. Okay, but seriously though, what do they fucking know about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like one of one of the one of them has like decided that they're a big Elon Musk fan and said, yeah, this is definitely feasible. They saw that guy driving his fucking Tesla at a volunteer's child and thought, yeah, we want some of that action. <laughs> well, you're not far wrong because... Uh, we, can't, apparently... we can't bring Asbos back because that was Tony Blair's idea, but we've got something better in the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> All electric cars to be outfitted with mosquito alarms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking cow catchers on the front. Just a fleet of those uh, killer cars from Stephen King's whatever the fuck it was, just roaming the countryside yeah. looking for young people. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say they just like got a bunch of fucking like electric cars and they're desperately trying to get them struck by the same lightning that created the Killdozer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, now, apparently, speaking of the Killdozer, uh, the Law Commission of uh, Scotland and England has clarified that does not sound like a Killdozer uh, at all. Has clarified that if you hit someone uh, with whilst... a Killdozer, <laughs> no, no, whilst behind the wheel during a crash. Uh, while the car is in self-driving mode, uh, you have no personal responsibility. So if even if what? you're behind, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh well, then uh, then like self-driving cars definitely aren't fucking happening. Because <laughs> I assume I assume that what they're, they're not saying that like oh well if a fucking if a self-driving car like mows down a bunch of fucking pedestrians, 
that's not that's an act of God. I assume that's not the point. I and mean, what they're saying is that the person in the car isn't responsible, but the fucking idiot who said it was self-driving is. I'm assuming this. I do. Yeah. I do love to. I do. I do love to have a button on my car that is just the avoid vehicular manslaughter conviction mode. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't just worry. do just do the reverse <laughs> musk and like turn it on half a second before you hit someone. Yeah, that's what I was just wondering. <laughs> Would that stand up in court? <laughs> Pressing the I'm feeling lucky button. <laughs> uh, but yeah, apparently somebody's managed to convince Dominic Raab. I know it's a shocker that, that you could do that. Um, <laughs> that it's going to, that self driving car. Did the are jangler gonna... fucking set a keys in front of him while they were saying this shit? I assume he went to the beach, held a shell to his ear, and the wind told him to do this. <laughs> <laughs> while, the, while the liquid shit was running into his ear. Yeah, probably. they took dominic raab on a school trip to uh, the beach to help him realize how much of an island britain is and uh yeah it's all just sort of spewed forth from there um yeah no apparently it's going to add um self-driving cars are going to add thirty-eight thousand jobs to the economy deaths oh okay (laughs) yeah thirty-eight thousand jobs like scraping up children's corpses with a snow shovel. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 33,000 jobs in the sense that's, ha- that's how many people with jobs they're expecting to kill. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because apparently they will make our roads safer by reducing driver error. Yeah, one coder, 19 project managers, and all the fucking street sweepers. Yeah. No, I mean, that's like, it, it is going to, it is going to uh, reduce driver error. Because it's gonna like replace it with like fucking, you know what I mean? Fully automated luxury communism era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Windows blue screen of death, just like spattered with blood, essentially. Um. Well, <laughs> did you see? You know, you know, the you red stupid, screen of death. You know, his stupid fucking low polygon like truck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're they're like getting close to releasing that, but they're 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 having a real problem because it occasionally just bricks itself. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just fucking beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Give us the true synthesis of British self-driving and put that shit in the Ajax. <laughs> <laughs> no, but apparently it's not going to be quite uh, Tesla trucks. Apparently the first fully autonomous vehicles permitted on British roads are going to be, uh, this is again from the Times, will not... <laughs> Milk floats. <laughs> They're going to bring back the driverless milkman. <laughs> Close enough, David. They will not have steering wheels or pedals, will initially be restricted to 20 miles an hour and allowed in areas of mixed traffic and a high concentration of pedestrians. Um, That's that. That's a fucking tram without the rails. It, it, it is yeah. a milk float. It's just a killer milk float. But essentially, they're going to oh, be like little yeah. mini van Stephen King story. They're, they're going to be like little minivans because you'll be allowed to put up to like 16 people who just need to take the bus essentially in them. And they can be sitting or standing, which I really like the idea of. I cannot wait to see the result of this at fucking 3am <laughs> in literally any British city. That's going to be fucking carnage. Yeah. Just a bunch of fuck, like a rug, like a, a bunch of fucking rugby sh- like students come out the like the fucking beauty <laughs> bar and just like tip one over and carry it away. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, the the simple solution is just to get my dad to to like interact with these things because apparently when he was like in his like, late teens, he managed to flip over a series of milk floats when he did that for a job. So, <laughs> Your dad's job, job was flipping milk job. floats? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, not, not for long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but apparently, JB, if such a thing were to happen, uh, uh, the fans might be able to communicate their displeasure. This is incredible. This also comes from... Oh, oh, oh God. They've, in- <laughs> they've installed a pain module on the milk floats. <laughs> <laughs> now, even, even better, they found some expert at a university, professor of robotic travel or whatever the fuck. Um, uh, it's, tell, me it's not, tell me it's not Kevin Warwick. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's some other guy. Uh, but but according to him, communicating with others on the road could be done with audio messages such as thanks and go ahead, played by the sound, uh, sound An system. An operational incident. <laughs> <laughs> As well oh. as that the windows of the, of the uh, driverless vans could display emojis. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> emojis. Yeah. Emojis. Imagine, imagine being the guy at the Department of Transport whose job it is to come up with this bullshit and write it out like, you, like you're actually serious as the fucking rest of the nation collapses around your ears. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we've got, oh, we've got, we've got no food. We're gonna have blackouts. Um, all all the people who like fucking deliver the food and store the food are saying if they have blackouts, all the food's gonna like go minging. But the government hasn't been in touch to stop that. Do you know what I mean? Because the government's mm. just like thrown its hands up and gone fuck it. And you know what I mean. Meanwhile, there's one guy at the Department of Transport trying to put together a PowerPoint on the Happy Milk Float that could. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like it's for fucking it's for Flintstones birds just turning to you and going, "It's a living." As society wait. reverts to the Stone Age around them. Just wait for the second version of these where they upgrade it so that you can have them play like GIF emoji, GIF reactions at you, and like the last thing that someone will see before uh, they die is Twitch fucking milk spitting float. out tea, fucking GIF. <laughs> Twitch plays oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking incredible. But I mean, it is not the wildest idea, I think, in terms of the immediate crisis we're facing uh, uh, that, that's come out this week. I know, JB, you've been just as fucking baffled um, as me. There's a new, bright new idea coming out of the Treasury to maybe help resolve the cost of the energy crisis. Oh, here we fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> This is sadly via the the sun. I couldn't find it in another paper, but hey-ho. Let me quote a little bit. Under one radical option, needy Brits will be told to go to their GP if they need help heating their home. Their doctor would chat to the patient and verify they need help and then write a prescription saying the the patient would get money off their bills. You know, the, the, the thing that strikes me about this, obviously on its face, completely insane fucking policy proposal, is that... This is this is a policy that is pure, the pure sole intention with it is to fill column inches. Yes. Nothing else. It's just <laughs> this is I'm going to fucking lobbing a hand grenade into the the discourse to generate stuff for journalists to do. I mean it's either it's either that or it's allowing GPs to create hyperinflation. Yeah, it's, it's like a 50-50 chance of which it is, to be perfectly honest. No, like, here's a truly radical fucking proposal. Why don't we just give every single fucking GP their own personal mint, and they can just give everyone who comes in and says, oh, I don't have enough money to pay my bills, and just give them five pounds notes. Why the fuck not? <laughs> or, right, or we could, like, organise, like, a fucking... An online petition to air our grievances in an orderly manner. <laughs> that would, uh... i mean essentially this shit is fucking happening of course because like it's another one of these sort of weird bird brains ideas that's just like right what can we do this is like when this is like when they do that blue sky they do that blue sky thinking and they go oh there's no bad ideas and there are fucking bad ideas like stop telling people that (laughs) 
Do you know what I mean? Because you get this shit and it's like, oh, well, what if like fucking, what if opticians could give you glasses with the sun painted on them so you look like, it looked like better weather outside? That would keep you warm in the winter. Do you know what I mean? It's just fucking absolutely absurd. <laughs> I mean, if you want stupid but slightly more malevolent ideas uh, to, to cover the, like, the winter energy crisis, uh, th- th- there's others ones around. What if what if farmers what if farmers train digital chickens to lay bitcoins? <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds sensible to me. Um, well, they re- that yeah, they really did need to put a golden goose on the blockchain, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> a DeFi farmer, a D- <laughs> I'm going to be a D farmer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. Uh, uh, according to one Whitehall source talking to the son about this fucking stupid GP idea. Uh, this is an incredible quote. There is no world in which the government wants to let bad things happen to people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Is that the end of the sentence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if nothing else, that shows a startling lack of imagination. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a great one-liner. I'll give him that. How did that? How did that not make the uh, like Dave's list of the top ten jokes of the fringe? <laughs> but yeah, don't, but don't worry. If you want slightly more like malevolent ideas that may actually come into practice, the um, Energy A UK wartime bomb. <laughs> Energy UK, which is the trade body, Animals. like the. <laughs> Which is like the representatives of the energy uh, uh, companies themselves. They've written to the chancellor with with a new idea. It's called the deficit tariff scheme, and the plan would be is AKA please don't nationalize us. Pretty much, what they would do is uh, they would freeze customer bills at the current cap, which is nearly two thousand quid for two years. But the co- any uh. costs of the difference in between uh, would be paid back by every individual customer over ten to fifteen years. Here's an idea. Why don't we just preserve the rate of profit forever and also give us more money yeah it's like (laughs) what if you got apart from all the other debt you had like an energy mortgage that you were supposed to pay off over the next 10 to 15 years i assume this is only for households right uh presumably yeah because it's to do with the price gap and commercial enterprises aren't capped yeah if you're running a pub or something and like say your bills have like say tripled this year do you know what i mean like you just you just fucked and then, like you know, presumably all the all the shops and the fucking like uh, GP surgeries and the hospitals and everyone else that has to pay rent all just close. Everyone in their home is only paying like twice yeah. as much as usual for their fucking next Listen, two years. They shouldn't have got on board with the fucking green energy shite. They went woke and now they've gone broke. This is what happens, Jamie. It's not going to work. Fucking, I, I mean. Here's the ridiculous thing, like, fucking take I've seen. I can't. I, I honestly can't I have, fucking believe how many people <laughs> I have seen given that actual fucking take on ironically. It's not going to stick. Uh, like this is the thing about it. So like Jamie's right. This whole all of this is pissing in the wind, and it's completely irrelevant because it, what this is doing to the commercial sector is the real story. As every single kebab shop in the UK shutters instantly, right? Um, but <laughs> it, I mean, that's it. I mean, kebab shops use a shit ton of energy. It's you know the slowly rotating meat and all the rest of it. It's you know, it's that is a real non-trivial problem. You know, <laughs> just oh man, it is very funny to me that the, the reason the country's just sliding into oblivion is because the damn kebab shops, man. It might. Yeah, they happen. just won't stop. They won't stop rotating. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sin and you're to blame for this. <laughs> <laughs> what they need, what they need is a, like some kind of like time cube kebab that has like corners on it. No, 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 <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, it's, it's far simpler than that. You get the kebab, the knives that they use to slice the meat, you need to electrify those, then you can turn them on when you need them, and then it just cooks the meat as you slice it. Mm. Bam. I'm an entrepreneur now. That'll be 200 million pounds for the idea. Um, <laughs> TM, TM, TM. Sheath Tam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, that's that's going to cause a real collapse. And, you know, as a consequence, all this kind of, currently with people repeating, oh, you know, you sh- you've, you've gone woke and I've gone broke. Like, that's been repeated. But that line is going to vanish like a candle in daylight, frankly. Um, when you know, the actual consequences come home to roost on this one, because there is no way that your white van man sort of Daily Mail reading, like, arsehole moron is going to accept all of his treats and all of his everything getting vastly more expensive overnight. You have so much more faith in the British people than I do. (laughs) I have faith in their ability to be angry and pissed off and selfish. Yeah, me too. I, I just have faith in them directing that in the wrong fucking way. That's the problem. Oh, I didn't say it was going to be good. Once all the pubs go bust, then, like, you know what I mean? It'll be fucking, like, revolution overnight. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the, the new civil war once the pubs are shut. Because not even the fuck... We didn't even shut the pubs for the Blitz. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So... I mean, we did for COVID, and there hasn't been a revolution, so... Revolu- revolutionary Colonel uh, Tim Martin leading, like, the gammon brigade into the halls oh, of Parliament. Yeah. It's going to be like that. <laughs> On one hand, on one hand, um, it was the end of like British civilization. On the other hand, Brewdog went out of business, so who can say whether it's good or bad or not? <laughs> you just need to take a holistic approach to the collapse of uh, a former empire, don't you? <laughs> For tonight's main topic, I thought we would try something slightly different, given that we are—I don't know what to even call it—the the the we're at the end of the the age of Boris or the government of boris or the i don't know there's something yeah, or other boris, the Biden years. boris johnson is <laughs> boris johnson is no longer prime minister but and i i thought maybe we should talk a little well, about yeah, he still is but apparently he's spending his last days like as pm at checkers like he's not even going to bother turning up to number 10 anymore which is fucking incredible it's <laughs> i mean it's not new if you follow his in, history but it's it's just like yeah I'm in the post not gonna... clarity of boris johnson Oh my god, no. No, not, no, Alistair. I, I refuse, I object, we're not doing this. Because if we start talking about Boris Johnson and nothing, then we're going to be here for an indeterminate amount of time, unable to work out the full consequences of it. <laughs> or indeed the full set of children. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, like, essentially, I was just like, I don't know, I'll... I, like, we seem to be at the end of the Boris era. Are we? I don't really know. I don't really know what, what Liz Truss is going to be. Like, so after three years of the fucking Brexit thing, we've all had Rona. There's the ADC Tory majority that's, like, as we can see, very capably destroying what's left of civil society. And mm. there's, like, an escalating series of crises of capitalism that all seem to be converging on this winter, which which looks to be really good fun. Mm-hmm. I don't I just want to sort of think about it because I don't... I, Personally, I don't really know answers to this, so I'm just kind of curious to get everybody's input. And like the first sort of question that I had is: is if you look at the history, if, is like was Boris Johnson becoming PM essentially sort of an inevitable point in British history? And and if he wasn't, when did he become like 
in, in inevitable because I think at some point, certainly during the the the, the Brexit discussion, like post 2016 it became sort of inevitable that Theresa May w was interim and that it would be Boris at some point but I'm not I'm not mm -hmm. sure whether or not that was real or whether or not that was the press like doing it like I'm making it what, happen I think I think the precise moment at which the at least the Tories themselves saw Boris Johnson as an inevitability was after the uh the fallout of the 2017 election I don't think so. I think it was earlier than that. It might be. Yeah, earlier, it was much yeah. earlier. It was the first time they had him host of I Got News for You. Yes. <laughs> yes, it fucking was. You think so? I don't think it's cast in stone. Uh, I, I think it's a combination of the two. I think it's the hosting of I Got News for You and becoming mayor. It's those two events needed to happen together. I to mean, he would never have became mayor without being on. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's the two checkpoints, if you will. If he'd only managed one of them, it wouldn't have been sufficient, but it had to be both of them together. And you might argue that the mayor you only happened because of Have I Got News For You. I'm not convinced necessarily on that. But if he'd, if he'd done Have I Got News For You and then not become mayor, it wouldn't have happened. It's got to be both of them. I mean, mm. I think I think you're probably right, but I don't think that makes him an inevitability. I think his rise to leader of the Tory party was a reaction of fear because of a seemingly strong Labour under Jeremy Corbyn. I don't think you get Boris Johnson as PM. A security alert. You, <laughs> you don't get a cert like a certainty of Boris Johnson becoming PM until you have like an actual opposition in the form of Jeremy Corbyn because yeah, like he was the only one who had anything to offer that could be, could be conceivably seen to oppose to uh you know run counter to everything that Corbyn was meant to represent. Right? See, I, I'm I don't know. I don't. I think you'd have got Boris even without Corbyn for a very simple. Right? Okay. So here's my 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 hot take on Boris Johnson. If Boris Johnson did not exist, it would be necessary to create him. Is how yeah. I read yes. Boris Johnson. I, that I would agree with, but I don't think he becomes inevitable. Until uh, Leave wins, essentially. But I completely agree with you, uh, James. Yeah, the, the Boris Johnson project is more than the Boris Johnson, the individual man who occupied the office, if you will. So yeah. if we're talking about Boris Johnson, the person, then I, you know, I've said, I think it's the Have I Got News For You, London Mayor, like double that makes him. Having said that, Boris Johnson, the idea of what he is and what his politics are and who he actually represents and who he stands for, that was a much more long-running project. And, yeah. you know, that one is... I honestly think that's been laid in since at least the 90s. Um, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a much harder one to unpack. Well, yeah, to some degree, because, like, you've, you've got the fact, like... Not even the fact, but like, just who the fuck he is, like, from a background class position type way... Like, fucking Eaton, and then he was at Oxford with fucking Cameron. Oh, who the fuck else was it? Who who else was in that set? In the Bullingdon Club. Yeah. George Osborne was, I think, the year before or after him. Yeah, right, that, okay. uh, that fella from Casualty. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. No, no, yeah. Um, I think the, the current chief leader writer for the Financial Times was in his year of the Bullingdon Club, by the way. And it's like a whole bunch. It's a list of Aristos and investment bankers yeah. and Aristo investment bankers and well, you know. your your Financial Times guy there. I mean that that kind of hangs into another kind of element of it, and that he's incredibly well linked in with a lot of the fucking legacy press because he was in the legacy press for long enough. Yeah, like he was a writer for the Telegraph. Yeah, 
Um, where like, I mean, that's that's any fucking number of connections, etc., to the incestuous level of fucking British society in which he operates. So, mm-hmm. like, every factor was lined up basically for him to be perfectly slotted into the 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 Boris Johnson that was needed, etc. Um, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's loads of their shit there. Um, but I, I don't think a lot of it really factors in until you start looking at the shit that's outside the normal scope like David Cameron was never on Hawaii News for you but he went like you know he wasn't that kind of guy he wasn't made for that purpose that Johnson was no but he was, he was David like, Cameron was was made for like a different era of Torydom as well like that was the whole yeah. at least how it was sold pre-austerity pre-2010 two, two, 2012 it was you know yeah. it, it, it was the hugger hoodie you know him st- going yeah, yeah, yeah. to Greenland or whatever it was to hug a husky. It was that whole whole business. Um, I would argue that um, David Cameron was able to go in as PM and like be ideological and like push things that he wanted. Obviously, like, I dare say that the austerity stuff like would have been there, but maybe not quite as fucking like blatantly because like if, if 2008 hadn't happened, maybe things would have been slightly different. But like he would still have absolutely went in there with an ideological purpose and done it, whereas Johnson hasn't necessarily been able to do that in the time he's been PM because he wasn't brought in off the back of his ideological purpose. He was brought in because he was the big emergency button that got smashed. I have. I still don't know whether or not Boris Johnson has ideology. Like, is there such a thing as like there is Cameronism, right? That it morphed over time, but I think that's like a distinct thing. Hmm. And there's certainly Thatcherism, uh, uh, Blairism, but I don't think is there a Johnsonism? I don't think that. Yeah, it's called populism. No, I was just going to say no. They just use racism as a stand-in. <laughs> I think I think David Cameron went into like you know uh, becoming leader of the Tories and then becoming prime minister went into that with things that he specifically wanted to do and that yeah. sort of forming the basis of austerity and all, all of the other shit that we were just talking about. Whereas. Boris Johnson's entire goal throughout his life is just to f- find the largest chair he possibly can and then to sit in it. And I that's, don't know that, that's... that is the extent to which that he has an no. ideology. Like he, because uh, it's he, definitely he ambition is... driven. Like that's that's definitely yeah. true. Yeah. But like this is the, this is the cunt that wrote uh, two articles, one for one against uh, leaving yeah. remaining in the EU. Like he is like he doesn't give a shit. Like he doesn't like you know he's got a broad. Um, you know, pro-capital. Uh, again, that is sort of only in the broadest sense. You know, I think. Do we also remember the time he said to that business could go fuck itself, yeah. which was mildly amusing at the time. But uh, he, so he's only really beholden to himself. I think he spent like his entire life being told that he'd be like a fucking great man one day, and so all he ever wanted like yeah. was just to be prime minister, so history would remember him. And now that he gets to not be prime minister anymore, he's just fucked off to sulk. Hundred percent. Yeah, but well, it, there's a lot more to it than that as well. Like you're right, but there's more to it, and that it is all about the great man thing, and it is about I, w- I just wish to make my mark on history. I think he wants to be Churchill. Well, well, I don't. I know. I don't think he wants to be Churchill because, like, Churchill didn't necessarily like give us anything. If you know what I mean, like the, the walking with the ship, whatever. But there wasn't anything. What, what's what's the last thing you can remember seeing that Churchill did or made? Like fuck all. There's nothing there. Car <laughs> yeah, there's statues to the cunt, but that's it. But he's not going to be able to do any of that shit. So his thing has always been 
infrastructure stuff and not like useful infrastructure just oh, shit that just yeah, yeah shit that will be pyramids. there for a long time which will have his name atop it that's oh it. man if boris johnson could have been a fucking pharaoh he would have lapped that shit up mm. he would have loved that no but i mean there is something to that but no, I think... oh, there's still time for us to worship him as representative of isis and osiris <laughs> There's still time for us all to be buried along with him, frankly. <laughs> mm. But that is an interesting, like the the, the, the sort of the, the the pharaoh level thing. The I think if there is such a thing as as, as Boris is as Borisism, it, it's I, I think we'd go with Johnsonism. <laughs> yeah, sorry, wrong. Johnsonism is is like it's sort of the uh, it's sort of a weird kind of unfounded belief in in whatever his weird notion of britain is and like just sort of being the booster like we're we're doing brexit because then we can be free to be the best people we are and and if we just build hs2 you know if we build monuments to the gods or like a fucking um uh, airport in 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 the thames estuary then then you know we can be better that people fucking bridge yeah the garden yeah, bridge yeah the bridge. garden bridge yeah, yeah. All the, all, yeah, all the, all the other bridge to fucking Ireland. Yeah, like the the the, the yes the wartime bomb bridge. I thought his best <laughs> idea was the the railgun to Northern Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that there's something in 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 there maybe. And to me, like you know, maybe if there was such a thing, because I, I, it's so hard to get a beat on this guy in terms of what he actually believes or what he actually has like any energy for. And it's like, I was thinking about the whole leveling up as well. Like whether or not he actually believes. I mean, that was, that was a policy position purely to try and counteract uh, the anti-austerity politics of Corbyn's labor. Like that's, that's all that ever was. And that's, and that's why it was lapped up by the fucking, I'm um, not sure the press. You don't think so? No, I think it's partly that. I I think you're right, Alistair. And that, yeah, that was just the kind of policy built up for that. But I think also to some degree that policy was built very much to appeal to him as PM um, with the idea of, well, levelling up might mean building things. And that might have been more opportunity for him to have like monuments There's to no his greatness shit. in fucking whatever shit little town somewhere that he's never heard of. Like, that would have been fine. That would, that would have been something to him and that's why he would have been yeah. on board. It. Concert, concert gets a Thunderdome. <laughs> 40 thunderdomes up and down the country but i mean even in a pure purely material sense i do think there are something you know like we i hate the fucking term the red war but i can't talk about it in another term right now yeah is is like all those new mps you know they had to to get something you know for all the the, the seats that switch you know they had to be given i don't know a, a bad example but like a new bus or a new swimming pool or the library had to reopen or something you know like there had to be uh, uh, some kind of of material upside or am i just seeing this well they had to be seen to be doing that right but i mean it had it, there was some kind of dependency on like i think a, a, a material reality as well and i think i don't know if you if you're talking about boris i do think there is some kind of weird desire like for the uk to like level up but i think it's sort of in that boosterism but I think fundamentally, he would just want people to want it more. Like it's kind of, it's almost like if you know if you want what's that stupid quote again from Field of Dreams? Uh, if you build it, they will come. You build it, they will come. Yeah. It's just like if you want a library bad enough, it'll just appear. You know, something along those lines. You know, like if you want <laughs> shooting the red wall like orcs. <laughs> if you want the the, the leave vote, um, or sorry, if you want the hospital enough then the money birds will return like yeah that, that, that kind of mad shit 
I don't know how much ideological persuasion is necessarily applicable to him as Prime Minister because I just don't think he's had enough like scope mm. to actually do anything or implement anything because his entire time's either been Brexit shit, which is like very much there was an entire wing of the party trying to dictate exactly what that should be and I can't imagine that cunt getting into a fucking room and really being much use to try to put his point across when everyone else already has a 30 year old fucking idea of what shit should be or um, it's been through Covid where it's just been full on fucking hands tied shit and the minute that he was able to start doing stuff the, the press decided okay we don't need the emergency button anymore, like we won we beat Corbyn so it's fine, also we don't like the Covid restrictions and we're going to try and get rid of them all and build consent against that so yeah I don't want to say the guy's not had a chance because well fuck him like I, I, I mean he was prime that, minister like, like, as, with an ADC but I know but so even yeah, yeah, yeah. But even as prime minister I just don't know how much he would have been able to get through because I mean he was only ever he I mean I, I still think that the only reason he even fucking became prime minister is because that like chiefly Brexit and Corbyn like the two yeah the party like, needed it, yeah. threats against the actual yeah. Tory party as an institution in this country were Corbynism and like the the EU uh, leaving the EU not seen to be you know Brexit not being seen to be done and you know a smashing case of fucking crisis in the Tory party is what Johnson was at that moment uh, that he you know that uh, Theresa May got kicked out and yeah that's what they went with and that's why he became prime minister because I was gonna say the newspapers were agitating to get rid of him a year ago two years ago essentially mm-hmm. like as soon as uh that election was won it was like right uh it's time to start time to start sharpening our knives yeah is it functionally that true that like a couple like a handful of maniac editors is essentially like the mail the sun the, t- the telegraph uh and the times can like create reality in the uk like is it that strong or is it that's like did, did, yeah. <laughs> my friend you, <laughs> you should know you should know the answer to this I- question <laughs> I think I do, but then I don't know. Like that's all. That seems, in a way, like reductive. Also, in terms of like the the the, the bigger powers at play, you know, like like I the, think um, what what you might normally have found previously is that the papers, etc., Murdoch at all want something, so they start to apply pressure, and the government kind of goes, "Oh, okay." As a collective government, it kind of gets pushed towards doing it. But with things like Brexit and COVID, a large section of the government already hated all the shit that was happening and wanted more and harder or less and, you know, go away. And the papers just so happened to be completely in line with that entire wing of the party as opposed to implementing the see, pressure as a first instance. See, I'm, I'm going to take a step even further back from this, right, which is just to kind of clarify here that there's a phrase David used to, and I'm not having a go, David, but you said just so happened to be in line, and that is a huge assumption. Because what's actually behind all of this is what's behind the papers and what's behind most of the people who get to be Tory MPs, which is business class interest and particularly financial business class interest at the high level, essentially. And the story of Brexit, as I understand it, so I could be dead wrong about this, take with a pinch of salt, is essentially the city of London taking a long, hard look at the writing on the wall for the way they do asset management and the way their their assets are taxed and the way they are represented and the power they wield off the back of that. And and taking a long hard look at writing a wall with regard to Europe and with regard to the United States and saying we need to be short of this 
and we need to be shot of it quite quickly. And in order to, you know, help that along as an agenda, they get in bed with more traditionalist conservative elements and make the case about coming climate collapse and go, listen, we need to be well shy of Europe and we need to be converting towards an island fortress anyway. And from this begins to coalesce a, a movement towards a, a need for a Brexit kind of independence. And with that, um, there then comes the deal making, which leads to there being this kind of alignment. Because remember, the pipeline we've kind of half sketched out is like the papers say it, and it doesn't really matter too much until it then gets repeated on television. One of the first things that David Cameron did that laid the groundwork for a Boris Johnson-like figure was change the governorship of the BBC in the way it's yeah. structured to be biased towards the Tories. And none of this happened overnight. In the same way as the kind of Tories who ended up getting funded and brought on and allowed to be MPs, um, who were backed, for example, by the various Eurosceptic think tanks, etc., they're the sort of people who are on board with this agenda. So it's not it's not a case of, of the papers decide it and it happens. It's more a case of this is a long-term concerted project that is ideological in places, but largely driven by a kind of class interest, which is diseased and archaic and, and wrong, but has a kind of ruthless logic to it. And it's the not... Disease... It, it's, well, the, the only thing I just added, it, it's not a monolith. It's not all-encompassing. It's not like all the Tories are in this direction but a sufficiently large group of them were that they were able to drag on like your um, Dyson and your Martin Lewis and all the rest of them along with it, essentially. And so the blame for like the Boris project and the wider thing that he encompasses, the groundwork for which was being laid under Cameron, you know, it, it lies with Tory grandees, the sort of people who we've never fucking heard of, but own like 5% of everything and yeah. substantially more of it in the UK. If I can simplify that a little bit then, it's... Basically, that's just class solidarity is really what the, the the trick here is. Class solidarity is being applied through all that, but the the whole diseased notion of it and that disease is the the intricacies of the British state, British society mm. writ large. Like that's that's all that is. Every level of it and the way it all links in, it's it's all incestuous as fuck. Like I mean, Johnson himself worked for the Telegraph. Um, how many MPs? Tory MP specifically, fucking high up cabinet ones, like have worked in journalism prior to, yeah. or are married to a journalist, or have some fucking non tenuous connection to one of the big papers. Like, yeah, it's rife throughout. It's it's almost fucking all of them. Like, if not a, a significantly large fucking chunk, um, that all has an effect. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Like that, that all definitely does play in. But the question of um, Johnson and his inevitability, like, I think just kind of rolling this back to kind of the, the start of the question again, really, is the guy wasn't, but the, the position absolutely definitely was. And, like, all of those factors play into bring us to exactly that. But, like, in a sort of counterfactual world, and I'm not sure mm -hmm. you get a PM Boris Johnson without Brexit because you need that. Like you, it, it, I mean, it was fifty two forty eight, but let's say it was fifty two forty eight the other way, you know. Like, yeah, it, yeah. And at the same time, you have to remember, like before they had that weird internal contest. Like, you could have, in terms of who they are, in terms of their connections to the upper class, their history in journalism. Like, you could well have had Michael Gove at the same time because he he yeah, occupies yeah. roughly the same place. They're they're not quite interchangeable, mm -hmm. but as close as I think. Yeah. So this this is goes back to what I was saying. So. I think you, I, I don't think 
Brexit going leave is what seals it. I still mm-hmm. I still maintain that it's when that 2017 election came through that it became a certainty. It put the and shits up them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it re- cuz that is this <laughs> apparently the Tory party only only uh make a Boris Johnson their leader when they're that scared and they sh- <laughs> which they are not <laughs> not normally that scared. And so and like you say cuz it could just as easily have been Michael Gove in uh in the driving seat if there wasn't for the threat of Corbyn. Mm. So, so like my take on it is that Boris Johnson and Brexit are inseparable because of the same political tendency finding its emergence essentially. Like that, that that's what the Boris Johnson project basically is. It is a Brexit project. They are one. Do you mean uh, no, I don't know about that. Do you, do you mean the guy and his own ideology or do you mean like the the shape in which shape. he occupies? The shape right. he occupies, right? See, I, I don't know because, like, see, if if we hadn't, right, if we hadn't had Brexit, say, say for example, even the referendum never fucking happened, right, and every single fucking possible contradiction other than that continued to heighten as it always inevitably will, we would be at the point now, especially because if Corbyn still happened and without Brexit, fuck, who knows how twenty seventeen might have fucking gone, but if that hadn't gone any differently. They would have fucking panicked. They would have flipped because at that point, what do you need? You need someone who's going to be absolutely willing to occupy any space necessary, like the guy that wrote a pro and anti fucking article for the the defining fucking policy of our times or whatever. And that guy needs to be able and prepared to do culture war shit like fuck. And yeah, but I'm, I'm yeah. going to be real with you. They have they, they have them on the shelf, right? The Boris Johnson specific, the Boris Johnson special, if you will, is that confluence of populism and Brexit. And it's like, here's the thing, Brexit was, so this is going to get me lampooned by a lot of people, but I'll fucking say it. Brexit basically became an inevitability um, because as a political tendency, it only had to work once. Um you know, whereas the alternative had to keep winning every other time. It's like the, the whole yeah. Maggie it's, Thatcher. It's the IRA special. of policies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, from that perspective, like <laughs> Boris Johnson was there for post Brexit. <laughs> yeah, when Boris Johnson, like you know, when that kind of populist politics was required, I think Jeremy Corbyn accelerated it. But I think the material, you know, heightening and contradiction was going to happen regardless. So it's like they took Boris Johnson off the shelf early. But it was still like it was prepared for, and if it okay. hadn't been a Jeremy Corbyn, I think you would have got a Michael Gove, um, mm. or something similar, um, and then you'd have got a Boris Johnson later. It's, if that makes sense, so I'm going to offer you two points here. One, it's sure. very easy to do culture war shit if you're Bance, Lol, the lads, etc. As Boris Johnson has been groomed for years to be, none of them have other than him. He's the only one that's had that fucking level of treatment. Nah, it's like doing culture war isn't. No, it, no, it's not. But it's it's made it very fucking easy for him to do this shit when he has yeah. form and history of it, and it all being Bance. Look at his fucking letterbox article and all that fucking shit. He's got years of this going back, it's all been ha ha ha, that's very funny, and that's all it's ever been, so it's very easy for him to continue with that. The other point is, if you were to slot anyone else in, would they be as satisfied to just sit within the machine and let it operate and achieve fuck all of their own goals, because he has achieved fuck all of his own goals. If we assume that his only goals have ever been, I will be remembered and there will be monuments to me, He's fucked. So would would someone else be as amenable to that? Like I I don't know. 
I, I, I'm really not a fucking expert on Michael Gove, thank fuck. Um, but like, yeah, I, I think he was more more malleable in a way. But then, like, mm-hmm. still, you know, I, th- I mean, partly it, it's it's also shaped by events, right? Like, I mean, I don't want to do counterfactuals, but the, you know, it, a, a Boris Johnson government without the intervention of Corona might have done might have achieved more or done stuff than, you know, and it might have been actively much more harmful to the country. I mean, fuck knows what we're going to get now with with um, with Liz Truss, but, you know. I'll just um, I'll, I'll just drop this out because I know that someone will get mad at us for not having mentioned, but obviously shit is fucked up and has only got considerably more fucked up and a lot of that has been fuck all to do with Brexit and it's been fuck all to do with COVID. Like, yeah. Horrible fuck ideology has been occurring. Like, I mean, you got the fucking the Rwanda shit. The DWP continues to fucking persist at its fucking stated goals. Um, like, education's fucked. Pay across the civil services fucked. Everything possible that is shit has happened anyway. And I don't know. I really don't know how much of that is ascribable to that one cunt. I yeah, think it's, it's not, much more no, no. likely that he's just kind of settled into the party doing its thing and just signing off whatever shit because that's what the PM does. Like I just I, I really I really struggle to see this all being masterminded by one guy. No, I don't I don't want to like get into like a model of sort of like or or, or pretending that Boris is like a sort of great man of history role, even though that's what he ascribes to himself. I think, you know, we're all just yeah, victims yeah. of definitely larger forces. And certainly if you're talking about you know, capitalism and the, and the neoliberal turn. Like we're we're in we're still in the world that Thatcher created. If you want to talk about great yeah. people in history, that you're much more closer pointed to her than to Boris, because Boris is in the end just a is or was just a, a result of that, which is much older and much stronger than than, but also beyond the control of of, of one person. But also, I mean, Margaret Thatcher herself was like the product of a, a whole series of circumstances. You know. Like I firmly believe, like you know, I'm, I, I think it's fair to say that most of us are against the great man theory of history generally, and yeah. what it is is the circumstances shape the whole through which, through random chance, eventually someone sorts themselves, and I kind of see that as being kind of what Boris is in a roundabout way. That's what I meant by you know, if Boris Johnson did not exist, it would be necessary to create him. Like yeah. the circumstances were contrived to make a person like Boris Johnson you know, possible and necessary in, in the event. And I think we're all basically attacking it from different directions, but that's... Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I think, I think we all are largely agreeing with this. The, yeah, yeah, the, the same points. To move it along a little bit. So when did it, like, when did it stop being useful or funny to, like, either Capital or all the papers or a combination of sh- same? Because, I mean, up till not that long ago, he was still winning elections. You know, we talked about uh, mm. uh, Pool. Last year, you know, it, it's not been as terrible, I think, as some, as as a lot of like excited journals would like to tell, try to tell us that it was going to be. So, but like, it's COVID. Do you think? I'm not like. Yeah. No, it has been since. We've also got to remember how fucking shit Starmer's Labour is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's also a factor that definitely plays in. Yeah, but like the the consent machine has been raging about every single step taken to prevent covid from the fucking start like it was livid as fuck off their back of the the lockdowns initially it was raging every time they stopped and then restarted and then how people weren't fucking going back to the office about how you know, every fucking teary fucking story 
about how oh, someone had to watch someone die via an iPad or whatever. Like, yeah, okay, fair enough. It's a pandemic. It's all fucking shit. We know this. We're all fucking here. We don't need the constant fucking shit. But it was very purposely constant slews of this is all terrible. Why can't we just ignore this? And the commentary, I worked very fucking hard to build a let's just get on with it attitude. Mm. And then as things went on and on and on, and eventually things got to the point of, right, okay, you've got what you wanted. And surprise, surprise, the right wing was not happy with what it wanted. Like, it got it and it wasn't fucking happy. Like, a, a tale as old as yeah. fucking time. Don't and catch like, his car. Furious with results. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it, it was all, it was exactly that kind of fucking shit though. We're like, oh, well, right, okay, everyone's fucking back at work now. Um, or there's no more lockdowns. The ministers have said countless fucking times there will never be a lockdown again and like a complete abandonment of reality. And they're still like, yeah, but we should never have had them in the first place. And I think the fact that all this shit was allowed to happen in the first place was enough for them to say, right, we need to fucking get done with this. And, like, you've got to remember, mask mandates stayed for quite a long time, like, a surprisingly long time, considering how quick they were to fucking drop a lockdown. It's not a surprise that every single insane tranche of the press pushed like fuck for them to finally be done in. And that's why all the fucking Partygate stuff was, like, stuff was sat on for fucking months before they finally went, we'll drop that at a tactical moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were waiting for that to... I mean... Like, it was so transparent that everybody had these stories, like, pretty much written up and ready to go months yeah. in, in advance. Yeah, it's it's all, it's so fucking reassuring to see all of the, like, worst fucking journalists in the entire country just saying, oh, yeah, this is known about in, what in um, you know, journalistic circles for, for months. And uh, it, it wasn't the story. That's why. And it's like, motherfucker, like. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to go off on one about the, you know, how shit we know the fucking journalists are, but it is pretty clear to me, at least, that they have wanted or were planning for him to get rid of him as soon as, essentially, as soon as Brexit was over the line, like you know, officially over the fucking line. Yeah, I, I think I think he hung on for longer than they probably expected, and that's why because like they, they tried Partygate what fucking like two three times before it really stuck. Um, it's the same story as Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn got exactly the same treatment. They ran through every single fucking damaging thing that they could. And then they finally got something to stick. Like, look how fucking hard they went on the Dominic Cummings shit. Like, mm. And obviously every fucking lib lapped that shit right fucking up. They loved it. And they just yeah. kept pushing it because it was doing the job of selling papers and the job of building consent, the two things that the fucking papers want to do. And the job of uh, of keeping fucking Richard Osman in Barnard Castle jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the greatest crime. I, ju- I, I, I genuinely do think it was just COVID and every, every sensible and good policy that was still fucked up and not done very well um, was too much. It was, it was over the line and it, it couldn't be allowed to continue and had to be punished. It could someone who allowed that to happen could not remain in position. Does that sort of mean that I mean we're probably gonna get Liz Trust next, right? Like that that yeah. what now you get is sort of a pure id version of all of that. Because <laughs> like like I mean I mean that's what what it's leading towards, right? I mean if, if Boris Johnson still had some breaks and did masks and lockdown and everything, then like the and leveling up whatever it was and however serious it was or wasn't, like 
then mm-hmm. it's you know it, it, what the fuck do you, is is list then like the id of a couple of newspaper editors or or what what what's that then if if it really is as limited as we talk about she's a cosplayer and that's her ideology y- yes and uh, like unironically yes actually um she she styles herself as margaret thatcher admittedly also that's because she's been receiving some very sophisticated help from a whole bunch of like agencies attempting to get her in position but generally generally Liz Truss is the useful idiot of the moment, where she's stupid enough to be like, yeah, I'll have a go, even though everything is falling to shit, and she's dependable enough to essentially be do what she's tell, is my read on her, essentially. Rishi, Rishi Shunak, by comparison, isn't he's got his own ideas about what he wants to do, and he's not as pliant, and that's why he's not getting it. It's also really funny how much he's absolutely fucked it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't think there's anyone on this podcast that would say, um, like, if you were to look at the Labour Party, that there wasn't, like, a, a kind of purposeful and complete gutting of ideological new, mm. um, like, you know, in the Blair Eels and stuff like that. I don't think the Tories are in a much better position. Like, any ideology really has seems to have been replaced with culture war talking points because it's the only thing that they can really cut through with because no one wants to hear their economic arguments anymore i mean you you have to do it in the form of like cultural bullshit because the the economic agenda like the material reality that like both liz truss and rishi shunik are representing are like wildly unpopular like spectacularly unpopular even when like they're being tried to push by by the papers you know like there's only so far Mm. you can push that shit so you know uh which leads to sort of, I don't know, I don't know how long we want to keep going for, but like to the other interesting question is like, is it, I mean, let's discount the Labour Party because they're sort of stuck in this weird hole of trying to return to 1997. But like, is there at some point enough left of a democracy in the UK to sort of, from, you know, if if there's this amount of pressure and we talked about, you know, the, we, talk fucking far too much about energy prices and uh, uh tenants rights and all that stuff is there enough left somewhere in the uk because at some point the pressure has got to escape somewhere and and i quite honestly like i don't think pushing anti-trans shit is enough to keep like the social pressure of people losing their homes and not being able to pay the bills anymore you know like i don't think that's enough mm, I, I don't know i, I don't want to say definitely i saw people on twitter today making the argument that if like um that like your energy bills are going up and food's costing more and everyone's going to be homeless and starving by the end of the year and it's all because of the dinghies crossing the channel. Yeah, I mean they could revive that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they've got the they've got a few levers that they can sort of waggle as much as they please without having to sort of incur any sort of real political or like I suppose capital costs in the sense of actually having to pay for things like you know anti-trans, anti-migrant stuff. I mean. Although that they would sort of be having to be going against the tide a little bit, because um, in the wake of Brexit and now that uh, the papers have stopped churning that shit out every like, day after day, um, mm. the pu- the the public at large apparently care less about uh, migration as an issue. So they do kind of just maybe they have just boxed themselves into the corner where the one culture war style lever that they can waggle is the trans stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's the most um, it's the most convenient one at the moment. I'm sure they could always roll out like travelers or something like that. That's 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 a favorite. No, that's that's Labour's territory, David. 
Oh, true. <laughs> like, I, I don't fucking know. Like, I, I don't think that there's. they probably can't continue on as they are. However, I also would not put it past them to escalate things to a new terrifying level. So... Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I don't know. I. I really don't know. I don't think. I don't think that culture war anyway itself, as as is presently, will not be enough to sustain things. No. Um. And eventually, material circumstances and material reality are going to start to bite. Um. A, a critical mass of people. But that runs into then the the other kind of point where you do need to kind of consider labour, and that that there is no like functional alternative present. So, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> I see we've been going a while, so let's kind of move towards wrapping it up and, and, and sort of returning to the original point. Is like, in terms of mm. Boris, like, apart from, like, I think on any level, corona deaths, money wasted, opportunities spoiled, achieve, like, his achievements are, are, are nothing, I think. Like, there, there's nothing to say that, that that's something he, he left behind constructively i think maybe even less than theresa may which is which is really saying something but like yeah. and i know there's there's like some bullshit about him still wanting to come back and being a pain in the ass on the on the back benches like i i don't think he will be i think he's just going to rake no. it in on the speaker circuit because he's too I mean, lazy he's spent force now isn't he his um his great legacy is that he made the fucking like the lefties mad yeah do you know what i mean all the fucking like headbangers are gonna love him forever for that yeah you're not wrong. Yeah, it's always rose-tinted glasses that they look back on this shit. I mean, like, pretty much any fucking political persuasion will do this, like, you know, from soft left rightwards. Um, like, Theresa May constantly gets fucking glowing reviews and it's like, oh, motherfucker, God. Yeah, yeah. There. we remember, it yeah. was shit. Um, like, yeah. At the end of the day, his legacy probably won't be enough for him because he won't have a big fucking pyramid. And, like, good, fuck him. I, I, I'm glad he won't get the thing that he wants. The thing that he will be, you know, potentially able to point at will be the 22 of Olympics when he was mayor. And that's absolutely the darling of fub P cunts. So it's tainted as fuck. And everyone loses from that that cares about it, which is good because fuck them all. But, yeah, I, 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 to be honest, it's difficult for me to care in any real meaningful way because we've got we've got what's coming next and it's just it's going to be somehow worse i do want to add one crucial fact that i think we we all need to remember and also agree upon which is it is the fub peas and the liberals equally therefore as as much as it is uh any 100 fucking consent manufacturing on the right like whether that be the national papers or like the tory institutions at large the thing about consent manufacture is you've got to have people willing to eat the shit, and like mm. there they were in fucking droves. Well, it's the it's the whole thing about our modern civilization. It's based on you know you create divisions and then you run the whole thing on outrage. You know what gets clicks? It's people being furious about something, and so for there to be a Boris Johnson style politic, you need like a group of people to get very angry about him so we can own them. Yeah. yeah. And then some of those people need to start a podcast. Yeah. The sadder <laughs> inevitability about um, the Boris Johnson era has been that it has also required that um, a super Tansky, and that's a greater crime than anything. <laughs> that's that's a that's a dark future. <laughs> the the super Tansky Labour Party. Yeah, I can see it happening. Or maybe it's already yeah. there. Starmer, Streeting, Phillips, Tansky. Oh. <laughs> 
Right. I think on that particular note, I think we should uh, probably like we've we've taken up enough of everybody's time for for one yeah day. yeah. I, th- I think we can call it here. Um, Reminiscing yeah, about the bad old days. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, fuck all point in doing comment or commentary after that. I don't think so. Uh, why don't we just leave you with some some news, um, good news, and some plugs? So good news. Uh, we have bonus episode for this month already out. So if you haven't subscribed to the Patreon yet. Do so now, patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. Streams will be continuing on Thursdays. That's twitch.tv forward slash praxiscast. And we will be doing, uh, every second Thursday, a joint stream with uh, Sinan Sinan and Ben from uh, Peace at Home. And Strang and Brightstone, I believe, uh, will be playing Stellaris. That's myself, Alistair and Jamie. Uh, big multiplayer uh, game that we'll be playing so tune in for that that will be every second Thursday we'll be doing that and then the other Thursday will be I don't know like fucking Jamie getting mad at flat Minecraft or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, you've got that to look forward to so please do join us there uh, that'll be I think at 6 o'clock onwards when it's the Stellaris ones I think 6 till 9 will be going but we'll see just keep an eye on the Twitter Twitter dot com forward slash practice cast as well yeah listen to piece at home it's got music by jordan when jamie remembers to put it in the edit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's all we need to mention so i'm bad at every fucking job i've got yeah well who's (laughs) among us uh you've heard the podcast you know it's true uh let's let's fuck off let's go i'm done yeah Yeah. we're all done see you bye